Hello, I'm Leroy Garcia, and this is Blue Rain Gallery Podcast. Today in our studio, uh, we have a very special guest in uh, San Ildefonso Potter, uh, Russell Sanchez. Welcome to the podcast, Russell. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, everybody gets a little worried sometimes with the cameras, but I told Russell, don't worry about that. We're just going to talk <laughs> like we do normally. We're, we're good friends. I've known Russell for um, at least 35 years or so, and... Um, one of the first introductions to pottery was uh, when I introduced our uh, Tammy's work to Andrew's, Andrew's Pueblo Pottery in Albuquerque, which is not there anymore. But when I go in there and um, take Bob Andrew's some pottery, I'd see these huge, beautiful pots by um, Russell. And in those days, he was doing a lot uh, bigger formats than smaller, I think, from what I was uh, recognizing. But you could see that there was a lot of talent uh, because the the pottery from San Ildefonso was very traditional at that time, and Russell kind of deviated into his own styles, and uh, that that uh, was the beginning, I think, of a monstrous career that's still going and doing great. In fact, um, last year uh, Russell won the Best of Show for Indian Market, and congratulations again. That's that's a lifetime achievement right there. Thank in you. Of itself, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Let's let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us uh, your story as far as uh, where you grew up, uh, who you're related to, because all this uh, pottery uh, is derivative of lineage in some respects, um, family styles, uh, influences, or, or others. But just talk about the, the Gonzalez line and the influence from there. Or Sanchez line. Or Sanchez as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in the Pueblo. I grew up in my grandparents' house, which I was very fortunate to do, and raised by my mom and my grandparents and, you know, extended family. So I grew up to be uh, very, very traditional as far as culture and language and ceremony. So that has a lot of influence in my work. Um, Got introduced to clay very early, and from that time on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I tried other things, uh, went to school, of course, scored very high, was a who's who scholar, all these other things. Got to high school, was accepted into uh, some prestigious universities. Uh, Two weeks before graduation, I chose not to go, got in trouble with my family, but it was a wise choice. Um, I was supported very much by my Aunt Rose Gonzalez and my grandmother, Palmasena Sanchez. Rose Gonzalez was a very renowned potter for her day. Um, She was raised by my grandfather's sister, Ramona Sanchez Gonzalez. So that's where I learned to really make pots and how to do it. And she worked with my grandma, but my grandmother was always busy with a lot of the religious part of the village, uh, supporting my grandfather, who was governor for six terms. And so... You know, she didn't do much pots. So I learned everything from her, how to mix the clay, how to go for the clay. I actually worked with her and went with her. So, so Russell's talking about uh, most of the Pueblo potters mill their own, their own clay. They go dig it out of the hill. And not only clay, then they get ash. They have to dig the ash. And that's uh, what he's talking about, uh, you know, pro- providing his own clay. They, ma- they make their own clay. Yeah, we don't buy anything. It's all out there in the hills and the mountains. Again, that's where the traditional part of my work comes in. Uh, One day, I was about 10, 11, something like that. I put some pots out in front of my house to sell, and they were 50 cents, $2, $3. 
and I sold every single one. Then Anita Day came by when she had the Papali the uh, studio, and she started looking at them and was like, "Start bringing me stuff. Start bringing me stuff." So I started taking her stuff, taking her stuff, and selling good. And one day, she went behind the walls in her uh, store, took some hishi off and some stones out, and said, "Here, you're going to start learning how to do this." And so she pushed me in that direction. And then later on, Tony came out, and Tony started showing me how to do the two-tone and how to use the blades, exacto blades, and all that to start carving. So that's when my style started to change to a evolve. little bit, mm -hmm. evolve. Well, let's 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 talk a little bit about um, so Rose Rose Gonzalez's work. She she was your first person that that uh, taught you pottery, but her style, if I can remember, it's mostly carved. It was actually carved, it looks more like uh, Santa Clara. In a way, because it was deep carved and polished, yeah, right? Yeah, but carving, there's dispute about this, but carving started at San Alfonso at kind of the same time it did in Santa Clara. Uh, well, they were, they're sister pueblos, so uh -huh. they are uh, probably influenced each other yeah. a lot. And then at that time, the black and black style came out, and it was so popular, so everybody kind of switched to that. Yeah. Well, prior to that, uh, San Alfonso was uh, mostly, before Maria Martinez and Julia Martinez, was polychrome, Right. And then uh, they started experimenting with the black yeah. firings around the uh, turn of the last century. Around. It was polychrome, red on black, uh, red and white, unread, just different styles. Again, just using the same exact materials and techniques. But that group of women and men at that time period kind of made Pueblo pottery what it is today. They're the ones that got it started, took it to the World's Fairs. Yeah. And it exploded. Yeah. Um, let, I want to talk also, uh, Russell, because you, you got, have a good historical perspective. Uh, but some of the most innovative uh, processes or styles uh, or techniques have come from your village, uh, particularly to the Martinez family. And um, you had mentioned Anita Day. So Anita Day uh, was married to Popovi Day, who is Maria's son. Yeah. Right. But let's let's start with uh, Maria and Julian. Uh, what made them special? Just the work they were doing. And Maria was an extremely skilled potter. Julian was a very skilled painter. And back then there were several others. But the people picked that family to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, Ignacia Sanchez, my great grandmother, she's before Maria, but she was part of that group with uh, Yellow Deer and a few other women that were creating huge, huge storage jars. And if you look at my great-grandmother's work, Ignacia Sanchez, her design work was very similar to what I was doing, and I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> the way she would That's do amazing. her lines, do her angles, do everything. Very, very, very creative. And if you look at her pots today, they're very modern for their time. Yeah. Um, what was innovative about what Julian and, and Maria did? Uh, pretty much... Reviving the black-on-black -black style, but coming up with a technique to fire. Oh, nice. Because uh, back then, they didn't use horse manure. They well, used uh, wheat, uh, different types of weeds like that. And it was kind of a raku fire where they would smother it. And you could see the black, but it was iridescent. Hmm. So they came up with a technique to smother the fire a little more with the manure, and it got black. Yeah. And then Popo Vida came up with a gunmetal fire, which I totally love. Well, we'll talk about Po <laughs> in a little bit. But um, I, I remember seeing pictures of Maria, and she's like firing 50 to 100 pots oh, at yeah. a time. <laughs> That's what my Aunt Rose did. <laughs> the same thing, man. That, the same That's thing. Just, and, and the contemporary, and we, we do one at a time sometimes because we just want to be careful, right? Yeah. Um, so it, that's a different process. Um, one of the most innovative potters of all time 
was Poe, Popovide. Uh, tell us what made him so special. Just the techniques and willing to experiment. And when yeah. something went wrong, he'd do like what I like to do is analyze the piece, see what's going on, and figure it out. Yeah. And that's what's fun. When he had a mistake or something didn't come out, it wasn't considered a mistake or a bad firing or a bad pop. Just like, ooh, what can I do? Right. So we, the other day, me and you were talking about some of those innovations. What were some of his innovations, the things that he introduced to Pueblo Pilot? Uh, Gunmetal firing, getting to Sienna firing. So let's talk about gunmetal firing. When we talk about gunmetal, what is that? It's a much, much hotter fire and smothering it a lot longer and with so much more manure and getting the manure into the firing, not just on the outskirts of the firing, but all the way in. There's a trick to that where you look at the pots and some people lose their pots. That's why so many people are afraid because you got to get them a glowing red, a glowing white. And at that point, they can either start melting and go dull or they'll come out that nice finish like what I like to get. Yeah. And, and so and imagine uh, Poe uh, experimenting to get that or to figure that out. Right. So and then you brought up the other thing. So the black and sienna, which we have an example by another person we'll talk about a little bit later, too, is Dora. Um, but this is an example of uh, what uh, Poe came up with. Right. Yeah. And so tell us about this process, how we get the brown tone to the black. Um, you use a blowtorch. You after it's fired, after black. it's fired. See, to get the sienna, you got to fire very, very high again. Otherwise, your pot's going to crack when you torch it out. Uh-huh. That's why they ring. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they ring. Yeah. So you fire it black. You uh, take it in, of course, let it cool down. Then you have to warm it up again. Mm-hmm. Slowly, slowly warm it up to get it the right temperature. You'll take your blowtorch and slow. It takes hours and hours to do that. Start doing it. Yeah, because you don't want to just put heat on the side. No, if you do it, then you're going to burn it. You get burn spots. Yeah. And you can see that in some of Poe's early work, little yeah. dark patches where that happened. But he probably figured it out when... You smother the fire, and if there's still a lot of wood burning in there, you it open be. it up, mm-hmm. it ignites again, and you get red spots. Yeah. So yeah. to me, I figured that, okay, that's probably how he fire, uh, figured, out figured it out how to get that. Okay, and then um, let's talk about another innovation from Popovi Day. And, and the reason we're talking about Popovi Day is uh, when you look at uh, Russell's work, it's derivative from there. And obviously, uh, Popovi Day's son, Tony. Um, but... As far as I know, I think, um, you know, Poe was probably the first one to do uh, scraffito or etching. Scraffito and inlay. And, and inlay. So let, talk to me about what scraffito is. Uh, scraffito is just taking your exacto blades, cutting your lines, and carving after the polish. Uh, a lot of people like to incise after they fire, but there's no way I can do that because my pots are so hard that the blades uh, just break. Yeah. You can't do that. So our technique at San Alfonso is to do all the carving before firing. And then also we have cleanup because when you're polishing, say, a pot like this water jar, I polish the bottom, polish this section and this section, but then you have to clean up all the uh, slip that's right. everywhere else. And that slip can get into the channels. That'll determine if you're going black or red, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, it's hard to clean up a scraffito when you have uh, red paint into it. In your yeah, jar. it's very hard. Yeah. You have to be good at that. Okay, so that's Scraffito. And Scraffito um, from Poe uh, energized a whole other movement because you have people like Joseph Lone Wolf and Tony Day and, and um, 
many others that started experimenting uh, Grace Medicine Flower. Yeah. And into the contemporary end, like uh, Jody Naranjo. You know? mm-hmm. So that, that, that's a lot of innovation. And then the, the last thing uh, that Poe introduced, and I, I know the Zunis had been uh, mosaicing pots completely with turquoise, but Poe tell us what he did with, with uh, turquoise and hishis and, and whatnot. Well, I don't know where he got the idea, but even long ago at San Alfonso, when we have uh, ceremonies and we have other things, we would string necklaces around the pot to uh, like dress them up. Right. So my assumption is that maybe that's where he got the idea. Yeah. But I can't be sure. I mean, I wasn't even born when Poe came up with all these techniques. Yeah. Well, because those were uh, graduated uh, experiments from uh, the late 40s through uh, probably the mid-60s mm-hmm. when he died, right? But, yeah, every time I would walk in to take Anita Potts, I was just in awe of, yeah. <laughs> of the, that style of work. So tell me about uh, Tony Day. How did he influence your, your life and your career? Uh, I just have always, always loved his work. I didn't know him that, that well. I was quite young, but I did have interactions with him. Like I said, they're the ones that him and his mom that taught me about inlay, about how to get channels right so you don't have messy lines, and about blow torching. Mm-hmm. And every time I took pots, even after his accident, you know, he would influence me mm-hmm. and tell me, try this, try this, keep pushing, keep pushing. Don't get stuck in what people tell you is traditional. Yeah. Because see, the other thing... That's I, also a journey, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So to get over that mind barrier. But at San Alfonso, we have this saying from the old days, take this, this is what I do and make it your own. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you keep the tradition alive by moving forward, not being stuck in the past and let it become stagnant. Then it dies out and it has nowhere to go. But to us, tradition means moving forward, moving forward. That's beautiful. I, I think sometimes in um, some of the public cultures, they they defend their traditions so tightly that they don't go forward like they can. But that is a great way to look at life in general, I think. Well, yeah. And, and we feel at home, you know, we're considered a very traditional public. But yet our kids do everything that normal kids do. They live their normal lives. So uh, we find that to keep your tradition alive, you have to live in these times. You have to keep moving forward. Otherwise, it becomes stagnant and dead and dies out. Yeah. To us, culture is living. So if you keep it in the past, it's dying. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me a little about the influence of Dora. Dora was Rose's uh, daughter-in-law, so I spent a lot of time at her house just sitting there watching her, watching her, and how she built and perfected her shapes and forms, so she influenced me that way. She also did um, the, like the double firings and the reds and blacks, but also integrated stones as well, right? Yeah. In her work, like this is a great little example of a Dora, of a Dora paint uh, pot. Um, so Russell's had all this influence in his life and uh, very blessed with tradition, people around you that yeah, help you know, you. I I'd sit there when they're working and just watch the potters work, watch the potters work. And the other great thing about that is they would speak to me in Tewa. So not only was I picking up the language, but I would pick up the locations of where they would get certain colors for their slips. Uh, and those places don't really have a English name, but I know what they're talking about because I'm also a great, uh, I love the outdoors. Yeah. Love hiking, so like love rafting, up. love doing that stuff. So I know where those locations are. Are you still signing your pots with the rafting? No, <laughs> not this phase. Because <laughs> you used to. I well, remember. I changed my signature. Yeah. I always do. So that helps me 
It dates the eras. It dates the eras, yeah. yeah. Well, think about what Maria did. There's uh, Maria and Julian, then there's Marie, then Maria, then Maria Poe, you know, uh-huh. uh, Marie and Santana. Um, yeah, so then you can uh, date chronologically the, the career path. Um, when, I, when I observe your work, um, not only is it finely detailed, uh, but the polish. Tell us about polish. Is that easy? And how and explain what polishing is because a lot of our audience may not know okay. what, how we polishing do this. is applying another clay slip and depending on the pot and the richness of the slip you have to add about eight to ten coats. It should not be a hot day because your polish is your slip is going to dry too fast. So we wait for rainy days to do that because of the humidity. And it's using old stones and then again it's another technique that I learned from the old people, how to do it, how to blend it, how to get it right. And I've always just pushed for a, a great polish and a great finish. I you are one of the best polishers on the market. Cool. I think you Thank know you. that, right? Um, it's like glass, and uh, it's very beautiful. Uh, I don't, I don't know of any other potter that's doing this caliber of work right now. Um, like I say, Russell, we were talking about the, the graduation he's had through his life, but he keeps uh, pushing himself. Like we were talking about, the innovations keep coming, and. Um, the mixture of stones. Tell us a little bit about the stones. What's so special? What's going on in, on these pots? Well, I there? only use high-grade stones. And then again, it's just influence. And I, it keeps going to me back to that saying, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Don't copy the past. Don't be stuck in the past. And as far as tradition goes, I consider myself a traditional potter because of the techniques and materials I use. But the ideas I have today are from ideas I get today. Yeah, It's like with the inlay with the dots. Uh, one of my trademarks on my pots used to be just to, uh, to put little dots as a finishing thing. Yeah. So then last year we were like, oh, try stones. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Russell kind of uh, reinvented something in the polishing, but he, he's done um, multicolored uh, pots uh, like polychrome uh, with this technique. And that, that's also was very unusual, I think. Yeah. Cause you're doing the white polish and the red polish. And I mean, you, you have, we'll, we'll pull up some pictures and show that in the podcast, the, the styles that you're creating are very, very cool. So where do you see yourself going from here? I have so many more ideas. Yeah. You yeah. Tell us about a couple. Uh, not yet. <laughs> not till I get them set, but like even next year, yeah, they're going to yeah. change again. Cause I'm one of those that sit there and I cannot, repeat what I do. I can't do the same pot, same design. It may be the same shape, same style, like with a water surface. Well, it's all hand done. Yeah. But then I'll flip it around. Yeah. (laughs) Something will pop into my head or we'll be driving on the road or going someplace. Ooh, idea. Russell's going to be showing with us this Indian market um, at Blue Rain only. And I think he has a couple pieces for his booth as well, right? Yeah. Uh, So you can catch him on the plaza. But he will be here August 17th, which is Thursday before Indian Market, um, from 5 to 8 p.m. I'd like to invite everybody to come and see some beautiful work, uh, world-class craftsmanship. Um, Thank you for coming in today, Russell. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. Well, it's been fun. It's something that we needed to do a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Thank you, uh, everybody, for listening to our podcast. I'd like to encourage you to uh, subscribe to our podcast through any of the platforms you desire. We're on all of them. Uh, you can also catch us on BlueRainGallery.com under the podcast bar. Also, we'd like to encourage you to bring art into your everyday life by going to the Blue Rain Gallery gift store. Um, here it is. Yeah. <laughs>